Welcome to the Sanctum. Here we study the mysteries of Dungeon Crawl Classics and Appendix N. With your keepers of mysteries, Jen Brinkman, David Bainey, Bob Brinkman. Enter the Sanctum Socorro and be inspired. Welcome to the Sanctum Secorum podcast, where we plumb the depths of Appendix N, specifically as it pertains to the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. In this episode, we'll be reviewing a couple of works from the famed Appendix N, as termed by the revered Gary Gygax, and helping you prepare to serve them at your DCC RPG table. I'm Jen Brinkman, and with me tonight are David Beatty. Greetings, everybody. And Bob Brinkman. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Really? That's what you got? I'm a fish man. <laughs> All right. I well, love it. fittingly, uh, our appendix end selections for this show are Dagon and The Shadow Over Innsmouth by the classic H.P. Lovecraft. And believe it or not, these weren't Bob's suggestions. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. But uh, we'll have you read the first synopsis for us. Certainly. Uh, the first story we did is Dagon. The story is the testament of a tortured, morphine-addicted man who plans to commit suicide over an incident that occurred early on in World War I when he was a merchant marine officer. In the unnamed narrator's account, his cargo ship is captured by a German sea raider in one of the most open and least frequented parts of the broad Pacific. He escapes on a lifeboat and drifts aimlessly across the sea, somewhat south of the equator, until he eventually finds himself inexplicably stranded on... A slimy expanse of hellish black mire which extended about me in a monotonous undulations as far as I could see. The region was putrid with the carcasses of decaying fish and of other less describable things which I saw protruding from the nasty mud of the unending plain. He theorizes that this area was formerly a portion of the ocean floor, thrown to the surface by a volcanic upheaval, exposing regions which, for innumerable millions of years, had lain hidden under unfathomable watery depths. After waiting three days for the seafloor to dry out sufficiently to walk on, he strikes out on foot to find the sea and possible rescue. Well said. And these stories really do go hand in hand, so let's tackle the other summary before we go down our customary lists. Our uh, second synopsis is covering the shadow over Innsmouth. During the winter of 1927 to 1928, the government raided Innsmouth, Massachusetts. Afterwards, there were no trials, only rumors of concentration camps. Innsmouth's neighbors didn't complain. They'd never liked the place anyway. It's our narrator whose reports led to the crackdown. Now he wants to tell his story as he makes up his mind about a terrible step that lies ahead of him. During an on-the-cheap coming-of-age tour of New England, he finds the train from Newburyport to his ancestral Arkham too pricey. 
The ticket agent suggests the Innsmouth-run equivalent of the Chinatown bus. The agent gossips about the obscure town. Innsmouth's half-deserted and gets on by its unusually abundant fishing ground. The last remnant of industry is Old Man Marsh's gold refinery. A mysterious epidemic killed half the town in 1846. Bad blood gives them a strange look. Narrow heads, scabby skin, bulging eyes that never seem to shut. No one sees them old, and there are rumors of degenerative diseases. They've replaced ordinary churches with the esoteric order of Dagon, and view outsiders with obvious suspicion. Very nice. Dun-dun-dun. So sets the stage. Yes. And that was your choice. I, I'm quite impressed. Uh, yeah, I've been wanting to get into some Lovecraft, in all honesty, since starting to play DCC and meeting the ever-affable Bob Brinkman, who is a, <laughs> a bit of a fan of Lovecraft, I think. So I put it, the attic in Fanatic. There you go. <laughs> it's uh, something that I've always wanted to kind of dive into, so when the guys asked me what I wanted to read, I thought, hey, why not? Let's go with Lovecraft. And for some reason, Dagon has always been something that has caught my eye. So I thought, why not? Let's do it. So what'd you think of your first Lovecraft? I really dug it. The first story is very short. Dagon itself is very short. But I did love the overall descriptives that Lovecraft uses to uh, even portray the dried out ocean as it was described, the way it was sounded. It was like an alien landscape almost. And uh, the Shadow Over Innsmouth really, I thought, it was a very good example for me of what Lovecraft is. Uh, he's very skilled at building some scenes and getting you kind of worked up. It's been a long time since I've actually read a novel and kind of got a little bit into it to the point to where you're a little worried about the character. Uh, <laughs> but there was some really good stuff in uh, Innsmouth as well. Obviously, being Lovecraft, there's going to be some obscure language usage and things like that. But with his dialectic writing of the locals and his descriptions are so profoundly complete that reading Dagon, if you've ever been to a lake that they've maybe closed the locks for the winter, so the lake level has dropped down to the bottom and you just see that rich, black, loamy bottom and you get that dead fish whiff, he captures that in Dagon oh, perfectly. Yeah. yeah, I actually went the audio route on this one, since there was an audio reading that wasn't dramatized or played with at all, it was just a straight reading. And it was so immersing that I was honestly reliving a scene in our most recent Cthulhu campaign, actually. <laughs> it was so vivid. Troy Tucker from the community uh, is a very talented artist and actually painted a cubist perspective of the Deep Ones for us in honor of that last scene. Sounds awesome. And just listening to this, all I had to do was close my eyes and I was taken right back there, which I guess says a lot for Bob as a GM as well. Well, thank you. And as a note, I've already spoken to Mr. Tucker, and that particular painting will be included in our companion scene for this episode. Sweet! That's awesome! As well as possibly a colored pencil sketch study that he did for it. See, he is too awesome. Oh, he is. And I met him when he was running a Cthulhu game where we encountered Dagon, Rising from the Depths. So it is kind of full circle there. And yes, all of these stories go hand in hand with the Call of Cthulhu game or the Age of Cthulhu to keep it in with the Goodman Games family. But we're here to talk about DCC, so we could maybe roll into some things to stat from these guys. 
Well, certainly. I had things to stat from both stories. From Dagon, there was the monolith that he finds rising up out of the muck near the water, and that could easily be a location. Oh, yeah. The possibility of just doing a quick write-up of Dagon as a deity, just like Cthulhu. I had the idea for a couple of spells... The dream sending of Dagon, which would sort of explain the protagonist's twisted nightmares that he was suffering during the story. And then I had an idea for another spell, the fishing lure of Dagon, which would explain (laughs) how the Deep One finds him in the asylum, twisted with morphine at the end of the story. And that image of the hand on the window, the hand, just that really spoke to me. Right off the bat. What else does everybody have for Dagon? Everything that I wanted to stat, Bob has already mentioned, to be honest. Well, uh, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, well, I do like the idea of Dagon as a patron. I think he would be an awesome addition to the DCC pantheon. Well, and see, deities and patrons are a little bit different, you know, at yeah, this stage. True. That's true. Uh, how about the uh, little tiara that they described? I believe that was also one of the reasons why the narrator had decided to visit Innsmouth, right? Was that something that he had found in a museum he had seen it at a local history museum in shadow of runsmith yes yes so i think that would be kind of cool even though they didn't really give any kind of magical properties or any kind of descriptors other than what it was it would be very easy to make that into something of a a magic item worn by the priests of dagon well and they did describe it in was it zadok's narrative which could have been from the shutter mountains man (laughs) very easily he described someone in robes and tiara yeah. Or crown or headdress, something of that nature. But you have to have a really big fish head to wear them, I think, right, guys? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> if we've moved from Dagon to Shadow of Innsmouth, you could easily do the ruins of Devil's Reef as a location. Yes. I was thinking of Deep One hybrids as maybe a monster or a class. Oh, now a class would be interesting. Yeah. There's a portion in the story where they're talking about other people that have stayed at Gilman House and how they heard strange voices coming from rooms that were empty. And I thought maybe there's a magic item like the speaking shell, something maybe that looks like an old phonograph with a shell as opposed to the cone. Maybe if you put two of them together, you can make some sort of magical, almost telephonic system. Oh, and maybe I love that's that why those voices were heard. That's like, pretty cool. The aquatic Victrola? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like the visual. <laughs> like you guys, I had certainly thought of the crown. The Innsmouth gold as either maybe a variant of coinage, or maybe it's a cursed item. Maybe if you take the Innsmouth gold, bad things can happen. Um, yeah. Of course, you could easily stat up NPCs for Zadok Allen, the drunk of whatever town your PCs are in who has seen horrible things, or Obed, old limb of Satan Marsh. <laughs> and I was thinking maybe doing something with the Islander cultists, maybe a class, or maybe a write-up for men and magicians, things like that. Yeah. Or a Shuggeth. No. <laughs> Jen has bad memories of a shuggeth. Just no, yeah. And that's all your fault. I like the idea of the Deep Ones as a class. It might make for a really cool Cthulian Dagon-themed campaign where your characters actually play Deep Ones in various stages. You know, they start out showing subtle signs, going through adventures, and eventually develop into these wonderful fishmen and go on these undersea adventures, or maybe they go through villages doing some raining. So I think you could do a lot with that. Well, and as a class, yeah. as a class, the progression would be so easy to chart because you could do the progression by level. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So well, yeah. of course, I love the idea of statting that black 
ooze that he wakes up in. Oh, yeah. And that could either be a monster or a magic item or location even. Or even a transportation device. Maybe he encountered that in the ocean and it crawled in the boat and took him away. <laughs> Schmooze by ooze. Oh, really? I mean, in the story, <laughs> in, the, in the story, when he's talking about the Black Mire, he really is kind of describing sea bottom come to the top. But I could so easily see it being some sort of primeval sludge yeah, that maybe has it... become alive over the millennia. And maybe it just dissolved the boat he was in. Ooh. The other thing I had listed, Zadok had talked about when everything hit the fan in his time, he took the first and second oaths of Dagon, but refused to do the third. So maybe we could create what those oaths are. Either as spells or curses or, or ritual magic. Ooh, yeah. That's awesome. How about some props or maybe some audio? Uh, did you come up with anything, Bob? I did. Well, music, I mean, <laughs> music is tough because there is literally a book out studying music that's inspired by Lovecraft in general. Some of the stuff that I came across, there's an EP, a five-song EP, called The Esoteric Order of Dagon by Sinoise, and it's very ambient creepy. Cool. There's a song called The Esoteric Order of Dagon by another group called Surviving Ishimura, and it starts atmospheric and then starts getting a little metal. That's kind of fun. Dark Adventure Radio Theater did a dramatized adaptation of Shadow of Rinsmith which is certainly worth a listen. Yeah, that one was not bad. Yeah. Oh, their stuff is really good, and they've dramatized quite a few pieces. There's a band out of Canada called Darkest of the Hillside Thickets, and if you're a Lovecraft <laughs> fan, I highly recommend them. And one of their songs is the Innsmouth look, and all, you know, they do think, like, uh, Color Me Green, that's the color of my god. Uh, they're, just, they're a <laughs> yeah, lot I, of fun. I, I'm sitting here chuckling, because over, jeez, almost two decades ago, the they got so much play in our house. <laughs> oh, certainly. And they still show up from time to time at the HP Lovecraft Film Festivals and things like that. Awesome. It might be cool to grab some of the music from the Creature from the Black Lagoon soundtrack. It gets kind of that rating, put you on edge tones to it. Or, of course, environmental tracks. You have like waves and yeah. storms. That's sort of where I hit with music. Did you find any tunes this time around, David? Yeah. Um, actually, getting back to Cryo Chamber, these guys do a lot of cool ambient dark music and there's a group called Enmarta and this particular CD is actually on Spotify so it's free guys if you want to check the link out for it we'll probably throw it up on the website the name of the uh, CD is Sea of Black and it has some really great music it's kind of slow ambient dark and there's even a couple of tracks or excuse me one track you almost in the background hear an infant which made me think of all of the houses where they say the shutters on the upper floors are locked to keep you away from the fish babies as they're developing so oh nice so uh, check that out guys and if you use something like that or some of the other suggestions by bob as he said just throw in some of the uh, wave sound effects of the ocean just to kind of give that far away feel of the shore i mean you've really kind of set a stage for some great role playing and you know what you know what really kind of evokes for me the the image of insmith in decay is before the music starts just the crashing waves on the cliffs from the opening sequence to the old dark shadows. It was, you know, the huge waves against the rocks. That just really kind of hits for me. Very cool. So, what about, about props? props? Yeah. <sighs> I want a fancy headdress or tiara, dang it. Well, I think that can happen. <laughs> 
I really like the idea of using makeup or some facial product to create the flaking or scabbed oh, skin. Oh, that's awesome. Especially on your neck. I've done that before for a live action game. You can use beauty mask stuff that dries and then you peel it off. Mm-hmm. That works a charm. And now maybe just set a container of black ooze on the table. <laughs> you know, because this is what he brought back. That's awesome. Well, if you're going to go black ooze and keeping in the spirit of David... Let's leave a rotting steak nearby for ambient smells, baby. <laughs> you could easily just replace that with pond mud, because if you've ever handled oh, a turtle God, out yes. of a pond, it's got that reek. Oh, um, yeah. I'd been thinking of, like, fresh seashells. You know, you boil the crud out of them, but you don't use any bleach, so it, it still has that smell to it. Bits of seaweed or driftwood, obviously, or shell necklaces... You could use Sculpey or Clay to make kind of a tiki idol of Dagon. You could grab... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you could grab a whole bunch of over-the-top junk jewelry at the old thrift shops and stuff. If it's got giant, gaudy plastic gems, that's what you need. <laughs> oh, that's true. Of course, you know, if, you, if you're into using miniatures and things at the table, just buy the game Innsmouth Escape and get a hundred tiny plastic deep ones. I mean, oh, kind of small, that. but... Hey, it's a hundred plastic deep ones. That's a great so, I think that's from uh, Twilight Games. Yes, yes it is, Twilight Games. Um, a few things I thought of for props, of course, just type in Cthulhu on eBay and you're going to get uh, oh God. an army of products. <laughs> so if you could narrow that down and possibly find some idols or some statuary, then you could use that as like magical figurines in the game or idols. Maybe they find an idol and it's a small little thing they can keep in their pocket that can, you know, do some of the... I'm trying to think of the old D&D magic idol. Was the figurines of wondrous power? Yeah. Remember those? I was oh, thinking yeah. of those, but in like a Cthulhu Dagon theme. I'm all for purchasing a very big mullet or carp and wrapping it up and putting it in the next room (laughs) so that you get that. Because that's one of the things when you're reading uh, Innsmouth is he he constantly tells you how horrible it stinks. And I think by the end of the adventure, I was actually smelling fish. Uh, Yeah. Uh, If you don't want to purchase the fish, you might get some uh, fish oil, possibly to just kind of bring that authentic ocean breeze into the room. Uh, And the cat. (laughs) Um, so you could also use like various lengths of uh, cord or rope and tie them into fisherman knots uh, before the group comes and maybe at some point let them find uh, in a, a trove of treasure or fisherman's knot and possibly when they unravel it it reveals a spell to them I think that would be kind of a cool way to introduce oh. a new spell yeah um you could put I, it inside I, a monkey's fist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. that would be really cool David that's wow. I love the way your brain thinks it does work every now and then. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that just from these two short stories that, you know, obviously we've got a, a lot of things we could do with this material. Y'all are so creative, and here I am just playing the part of a book monkey. And Oh, whatever. Gotta... Listen to Jen trying to sound like <laughs> yeah. David. Y'all! <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in the South long enough. Dang it. So how about some inspirations, guys? Should we talk yeah, about those? Yeah, does that wrap us up on props? Yeah, I think it else? does. How about you, Bob? What were some uh, existing DCC inspirations? Well, right off the bat, Deep Ones are in the DCC RPG core book. Okay, that, that's a cheap get. Well, yeah, yes, but, I mean, they're they're there. <laughs> you don't even have to, to create them on your own to use them as a monster. They exist, which is kind of nice. Also, I've got to say, the Chained Coffin. Innsmouth is sort of where the shud meets the sea, I think. <laughs> it's sort of the natural extension. If you come out of out of the Shutter Mountains and get down to the shore, you'd 
probably find a place like Innsmouth. We just recently, as a matter of fact, I think we finished playing it this week. We've been playing Beyond the Black Gate, where you end up in a cave and the environment is really reminiscent, I think, of the Isle in Dagon. With all the fish stink and everything like that. Silent Nightfall. You know what could make that town even creepier? (laughs) It's being Innsmouth before the 1845 uprising when the Deep Ones took over. Just think about that for a minute. You finish fighting off the creepiest get-out owl men. The 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 Growlistrix, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, those things just give me the willies. (laughs) That would be fantastic. There was an item posted by Mystic Bull, Aga Cruel. It's a spear. It's a magic item and with a just a little bit of touch-ups when they're talking about it being used by dwarves that lived on this island against the followers of an ancient god to me that's dwarves fighting dagon and his followers there's also paul wolf's the bog god's champion which is also from mystic bowl Ooh, good find and the the opening you know within the pits a stinking bog formed by the outflow of Ophel from a decadent city of ugama lurks the progenitor of serpentine horrors that plague the dwellers of that unfortunate place with just a little bit of tweaking that so fits and could so be layered in with Innsmouth. I read the description of where the sailor and Dagon you know, awakens the way it progresses. It's like this foul island of dark despair and that'd be a great setting for a reskin of Black Sun Deathcrawl. Oh yeah, that would be awesome. <sighs> Fighting your way across the muck with the stench and these ancient beings rising up and knowing that you've got no escape, Black Sun Deathcrawl. There you go, James McGeorge. Yes. Jeez. <laughs> uh, I like to see Queen escapes. It, that's what it kind of called to me. I don't know. I was thinking about some of the things in that adventure, which was written by Michael Curtis. Oh, yeah. Uh, that could be very easily tweaked and turned into a more Dagon-themed adventure. There's a huge island-sized sea turtle that's in it that could very easily be changed into something more alien, Lovecraftian. Well, yeah. I mean, in Dagon, when he's describing the island, my first thought was that he was actually on the top of something that was living in the water. Oh, yeah. And you just mentioned the muck on the bottom of a turtle. Yeah. There you go. Turtle muck. Not going to give away too many spoilers to the adventure, but there's a sorceress in the adventure, and that could very easily be swapped out by a priestess of Dagon. And you've got the lamprey men in there. Oh, yeah. And their nursery, which I love those two things. Oh, yeah. So if you want to make Innsmouth creepier, you reskin Innsmouth as lamprey men, really. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to the other way around. I've always been scared of lamprey. I remember I had a book as a kid on animals and aquatic animals, and I never wanted to look at the picture of the lamprey. Those Because they're a so tube with teeth. Exactly. <laughs> That's what they are. You throw in a little Dagon theme to it, and it's just, I think it's it'll be an awesome reskin. Um, oh, yeah. Kind of on the same note, Sailors of the Starless Sea. You know, that adventure has been run, I think, in a twist of variation where the you actually played the Beastman, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. You could My very first easy... dunk on. <laughs> oh, really? Well, I missed that, unfortunately. But you could take Sailors of the Starless Sea and dump it in a seaside town, and the Beastmen could actually be Deep Ones. Uh, that could very easily be an adventure that everyone's already played that you could reskin and retailer some of the encounters to where I don't think anybody would even realize what was going on maybe up until the end. Oh, sailors on a Petrachian sea. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That'd be so cool. That's fantastic. How about you, Jen? To jump back to the core book, we also have the Hollow Men, which are possibly my favorite cultist monsters 
that I've come across yet. Bob does not like them at all. Screw you and your hollow men. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, you could use People of the Pit. They've got the cultists in there with the different colors of robes, and those kind of determine you know, what their appearance is and what their powers might be. So I've been using those two interchangeably, actually. In the most recent issue of Crawl, number 11, Daniel Bishop wrote a deep elder monster. They are servants of Dagon, and their glowing aura determines their power, the, the color does. Well, and Crawl 11's filled with great stuff if you want to do anything, you know, maritime or seafaring. Yeah. I think Not own... so blatant plug, Bob. Yeah, I was going to say, have, maybe our own Bob Brinkman has done a little bit with that issue. Yeah, possibly. I don't have rules, though, for ramming Dagon with a ship. Right <laughs> yeah. The next one on my list was Catastrophe Island. Oh, my God. From uh, Gen Con 2014, the first Doug Con dealing with Catastrophe Island. In the stats for things that could possibly be thrown at you, which I happened to have nabbed myself a copy of since I was supposedly on, on the committee to help create this. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a sea devil man and a creature that some of our listeners may either yell and rejoice or just curse me for, but there's a fish wizard. Fish wizard? That sounds Not like to a be band. confused with a bacon wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, uh, the rocky coast description in Shadow Over Ensmith as he's approaching the town by bus, really reminded me of the intro to the Emerald Enchanter as you come up to that keep. Ooh, yeah. I, so much of that description just rang, hey, I've read this before kind of thing. The one who watches from below, I'm actually not going to talk about anything from the below, but even from the opening to the place, you've got an obelisk carved with weird symbols, and you've got an old man Waitley. And oh God, is he really old man Waitley? As written, without giving too much away, his name is Waitley. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. And a little deeper into it, there are also hybrid pools, which again reminded me of like the nursery and, and the young ones. Yeah. Switching over to Harley for a moment, I've got Jewels of the Carnifex and Blades Against Death, because his description of the rundown temple districts and the descriptions of pillared halls just rang so true with the overall description of every street he was walking down in Innsmouth because the entire place looked like it had been deserted. Yeah. And then he found the Order of Dagon Hall, and the pillared halls in there just, it really struck a chord with me on similarities. I could see that. Yeah. There's an upcoming release that was teased in the 2015 Goodman Games Gen Con program for the Mythos Alphabet. Ooh, I didn't realize that. If it's along the lines of the Monster Alphabet and the Dungeon Alphabet, they will be system neutral, but they're still by our Goodman Games crew, so you know, they're going to keep DCC in mind for a lot of this stuff and keep it on that same slant. But in the program, you got D is for Deep Ones, and <laughs> on the facing page, there's a dozen demonic Deep One plots. Oh, that's oh, awesome. I want to be involved in that project. <laughs> <laughs> and they can just take my money now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And possibly one of the most evocative similarities for me, straight from the descriptions in Dagon, 
as he's talking about where he awakens. Attack of the Frogs. He awakens face down in the black corruption slime. Yeah. That is such a great adventure. And since uh, Stephen Newton recently revised the publication, uh, he's also added a totem of sorts, which from afar could easily be the large white monolith, uh, to quote from Dagon, whose massive bulk had known the workmanship and perhaps the worship of living and thinking creatures. Yeah, and what would freshwater deep ones be other than hybrid frog monsters? <laughs> Frogs! Servants of Trulock! Yes! Anyone who's read or played Attack of the Frogs uh, knows of the little bone slivers that seem to be causing the corruption in the water. Yeah, speaking of screw you. And, and they are known <laughs> as the Scales of Trulock. And the adventure, The Haunting of Larvik Island, actually has a lot more information on Trulock, as well as a, a couple little goodies relating to her history. So I, I'm really hoping to see her fleshed out a little bit more in the near future. Hint, hint, Mr. Newton. So that's going to bring us to our featured adventure for the show, The Portsmouth Mermaid by Daniel J. Bishop published by Purple Duck Games. And as a brief description here, this one can stand alone or follow Prince Charming Reanimator and Creeping Beauties of the Wood. It keeps with the trend of infusing fantastical storytelling with heavy Lovecraftian overtones. And the intro on this one is if H.P. Lovecraft didn't have Hans Christian Andersen's depiction of the sea witch's dwelling from The Little Mermaid in mind when he penned Dagon, he should have. And in this one, the overarching plot revolves around five different factions, but two of them are Dagonites and Cthulhu cultists, which really makes it a no-brainer as our choice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Portsmouth is Innsmouth plain and simple. <laughs> well, and right off the bat, one of the things that I really like is taking the worship of Cthulhu back to a cult, back underground. His inclusion as a mainstream deity in DCC RPG always sort of just tweaks me just a little bit because it shouldn't be mainstream. It, yeah. The following of the Elder Gods is very hidden and secretive because you're trying to bring about the end of the world. So nobody should like you. And if they know that you're, this is what you're trying to do, they should be trying to kill you. <laughs> that touch alone for me when I was reading through it I was like oh well this is worth this is worth the price of admission right here is this treatment of the Cthulhu cult and it should be noted that if a cleric of Cthulhu happens to be in the PC party special circumstances may apply yes there may be a little pressure from one court or another as you do have the Esoteric Order of Dagon versus the Cult of Cthulhu. Well, and this adventure certainly draws very heavily on Shadow of Innsmouth. I mean, normally, oh, yeah. if you're looking at a module versus a story, you can say, oh, well, maybe there was some cross-pollination, but here it's very obvious. There's no pretense. Yeah. You know, there's the Esoteric Order of Dagon. There's streets named for streets in Innsmouth. There's the Gilman House Inn. So there's all these direct and, touches. And Devil's Reef. Yes. 
Come on, Dagon's high priest wears a tall headdress made of strange metal. <laughs> well, and this would be a great example in fantasy, in like a DCC setting, of Innsmouth before the fall, before the 1845 fall, where half the population vanishes. Yeah. This sort of plays out that struggle that's going on in the background. Well, I know that I was very intrigued by the Children of the Deep, which I think take the place of Deep Ones perhaps because yeah. Deep Ones are already in the main core book. And based uh, on the illustration of the Children of the Deep is just spot-on perfect Deep Ones. It's a Deep One mated with a frog, really. <laughs> um, well, that's sort of what they're supposed to look like. I mean, the artist hit it, in my opinion, hit it out of the park. And the Children of the Deep are the ones creating hybrids with humans. And, and we have Shuggoth Cave as well. Yes. Uh, Wilhelm Zardok is noted to have first brought worship of Dagon to Portsmouth. And the Zardok really kind of stands out because Zadok is not a common name. Right. So, a pretty clear homage there. Possibly the best part of this is the fact that Dagon is written up as a full-out patron, complete with spells. Which was beautiful exactly and the the thing that's important to know about this module is to me when i sat down to read it it doesn't read like a dcc module like a traditional dcc module that's not a it's not a bad thing but to me it reads like a call of cthulhu module there's a timetable of events here's the things that are going to unfold what the party is doing might alter these events but it's not a dungeon crawl by any stretch of the imagination it's investigation and threat and that's my groove that's that's my gaming i i totally love it it's the sort of thing i love to run i loved seeing that brought to dcc this way and daniel included rules for running away from a mob because i love that to, yeah <laughs> and he started up a cat swarm yes yes he started up a cat swarm and that was awesome uh, well there's there's a list of things towards the back its own mini appendix of if things become too lovecraftian which you know is impossible but lose the the fairy tale feel there's these other things that you can bring in and of course he taps on the old king of the cats story but my favorite is the inclusion of dr fell Uh, it's just sort of a, a little encounter that i would take that encounter from this book and you could put it anywhere that you decide you need to turn up the creep factor because it has the potential, if run properly, to just be spine-chilling. Likewise, there's a little follow-up, it's like 2.5 in the series, called Three Nights in Portsmouth. So if your players actually decide they're going to stick around for a while more, you can throw more at them. Well, yeah, and as you mentioned at the beginning, this can stand alone or it can follow the other adventures. And while this is certainly meant for characters that have started with Prince Charming Reanimator and built into Creeping Beauties of the Wood and into this, this is also a module where, as written, they're like, okay, but if you didn't do that, do this instead, and it's going to be just fine. Yeah. So you can you can pick this up without having run the others, but come on. I mean, who doesn't want Prince Charming as Herbert West? Ah, Prince Charming Reanimator, come on. <laughs> no, I kind of want to merge a couple other things into this one now. I, I kind of want to throw some frogs in there. Yep. And 
the and Portsmouth Frog Maid. Trulock could easily be one of the other, you know, the Sea Witch or any of the deities involved here. And Shuggath Cave could be placed in Black Sun Deathcrawl. Definitely. The cool thing is, if you guys do spend the time to uh, read through this and soak up the town of Portsmouth, this could very easily be a base of operation for your party, and you could continue on, because Daniel's really done a good job of fleshing this town out, and it's highly reflective of Innsmouth. I mean, if you read Innsmouth and then you read this module, there's going to be so many things that you're like, oh, cool, he took that from this, and, you know, this reminds me of that, but there's so many extra things with this adventure. Bob, you said there was a lot of extra material, and it's all edible. There's a lot of things in here, from rumors to the town itself being mapped out to the extra encounters in the back, which Bob had mentioned. There's just so much stuff that you get a lot of play out of this. This is just a delightful adventure in a pretty yellow wrapper. Well, that pretty much wraps us up for this one. As always, we would love to see what you, our listeners, create based on the books we cover. So submit your creations to us at thehub at sanctum.media or find us on the regular social media sites and we'll be happy to post them on the site. Keep an eye out for our future topics and we can include your material in the show companion. And as the current poll is leading us to believe, we may publish a compendium of our issue companions in the future. In this case, we're going to need some original art to flesh things out. Compendium so, of Companions. Yes! <laughs> Companion Compendium. And hey, Because it's, it's the a, Sanctum Secorum, so there. <laughs> well, and it's a perfect opportunity for people that have read the Companions and have read the books and thought, wow, this would be cool. If you haven't submitted something yet, submit it. We would love to have it and, and put it in there. Yeah. And as always, if you've got a special road crew or convention game coming up, let us know. We're happy to help you spread the word because it's all about the game. Yeah, we've got GaryCon coming up, Gen Con event submissions are going on, yep. there's a whole lot of stuff out there. David, are you throwing your hat in the ring for anything this year? Uh, yes, I will be running four events. I'm going to do the Carnival of the Dam. I don't see any tournaments on the books, so some folks like those, so I figured I would throw at least one tournament in, and uh, there'll be three other events, so just look for my name, and you should find me on there. I'd love to have you guys come out and sit at the table and throw some bones with me. GaryCon or Gen Con? Oh. Well, both for that matter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I think I'm going to run four at each of those. That'll be awesome. I'm running Call of Cthulhu at GaryCon, and that should be a good time. I'm running, Who knew? Oh, yeah. I'm running a session of last year's Mountain Monsters Adventure, which is the Sentinel Hill Screamer, and then I'm going to be running a new adventure. So you can pick up with part two, and uh, that's that's just a hoot, a holler, and a fun time. And I'll be running four games at GaryCon as well. Three of them are going to be playtests for Mr. Stroh. And uh, one of them, I'm going to do a, a twist on the Shutter Mountains, and it's called Emerging from the Woeful Caves. Oh. So, a little out of my wheelhouse, so... It's good to stretch, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And since this is our first year at the new locale, we don't know exactly where things are going to be situated, but I'm sure word will pass around the community in short order once we're there. Hopefully they'll put us all together. That would be awesome. Great. We'll hope to see you guys there. And, you know, we hope we've inspired you with what we've gone over in this episode. So thanks for listening, guys. Yep, take care. Have a great night. Be inspired. You have been listening to the Sanctum Secorum Podcast. 
Join us again in three weeks' time when we study the works of Clark Ashton Smith with The Maker of Gargoyles. The Sanctum Secorum Podcast has been a production of Sanctum Media. Copyright 2016.